Mairangi tu ha ha, ireiro hoki. Terungarawa nana nga mea katoia. Kaatu ki tina te papa ki wahura. Nana i fangai mai, tata kato. Ki tina i fari e tu, e te fari a tahu hoki. E tu tonu, e tu tonu, e tu tonu. It is the heavens above where our God resides and he created all things. Even this earth, even this earth which feeds us and sustains us. And this whare, this beautiful whare, do you fellas are lucky, aren't you? <laughs> this whare, uh, tu we thank the Lord for all these things. He me ano nga mate, rata yungi akuta kirungi amata hoki hoki. Naraira te wehi te ihi te mea kato i urumai kiroki amata e haere tonu rungi tina. We often mehi in our corridor to the dead. Some people get scared about that. They think, ooh. They're worshipping the dead. They're not. We acknowledge that we stand here today because of those before us. We thank God for those before us. For my queer, for my aunties, the aunties I was brought up with. Noreira, Haire, Haireatu, Ngamati. To all of us who are breathing today, I've had a heart attack recently, so I know what that's like. It's awesome. We're all breathing today. It is God who gives us all these things. Mm. I've known John for a wee while too. Not long enough to argue with him, but you know, we've, <laughs> we've been able to say hello to each other at, very, um, at various times. Tēnā koe, John, for your welcome mm -hmm. uh, to us. He mihi atu ki a koe, he whakāro rangatira, a koe a tuku te tonu atu ki te wahine, ki te Māori. He mihi, tēnā koe. Lots of Baptist churches wouldn't invite two people to speak either Māori or woman. So, mihi atu ki a John, you might get my hiding afterwards, <laughs> but it's awesome. Mm. It's awesome that there's an openness that you guys are expressing, mm. and hopefully that's going to be a tauiga, an example for some of the other congregations who are a little bit closed to these things. So... Katua Kitina Kitimihi, Anna Kotina Takatua Hine, and Mihatu Fakoko Kitimihi Kyokote Tarangatira, Tinakwe, Tangatakato, Wayata Nae, Tekahoki or Rangatera. Just want to return the Mihi to you, all of you. Love the music. I'm at Southwest Baptist, and sometimes I think, well, maybe you should go around and have a listen to some other places. I might stay too long, that's a problem. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my wife Mpe uh, 
and I, and he was great. Just a tow talk of my sister, and um, I think she'd prefer to have a cup of tea with you, wouldn't you? Sister? Yeah, 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 I would. Yeah. And, uh, and, but, you know, kind of quarter let's, we'll, we'll think of it as a cup of tea uh, uh, together. Yeah. Here's the way. At the risk of spoiling a really good mahi, I thank you. Um, I don't want you to ex, um, add on to my um, my rangatira, my kaumātua, uh, my mentors, um, na mahi tēnā ki a koe, uh, mō tūtū ki te mahi ōku. Mō rārea mahi mahana tēnā ki a koe matua. Kia koutou katoa, na mahi nanui. Um, I, won't, I promise I won't be offended if a whole bunch of people come walking in about an hour later because... You did well to get here and get here early and on time. So, um, I'm, <laughs> it was a bit disconcerting, um, I must say, to walk into the toilet stall and um, have my mud shot um, peering back at me. <laughs> but it was kind of nice because when I walked in, you guys weren't going, hmm, you know, this must be a new place, but you're very welcoming. So, thank you for your warmth and your welcome. And thank you, John, in particular, for your invitation to come. Um, you stuck to your word at the beginning of the year, said, I think we'll have you around about September, and, uh, and you did, so uh, thank you for that. I really appreciate actually seeing this. Um, love how you guys are keeping a track on what you're doing, what's coming up. I think that's exciting. I'm going to take this idea back to our church. But I, I look at this, and it says, a fresh understanding of New Zealand history, and you're doing it throughout September. And you talked about, uh, on the 9th, uh, New Zealand Christian history. Um, particularly the Treaty of Waitangi and talking about the role of Tangata Whenua, uh, Tangata Tiriti, which are the, uh, those who are coming on to our shores. And in particular, um, you covered the role that the missionaries played. So um, this kind of stuff isn't covered well in our education system. Um, so we're learning um, later on in life the things, um, things about our, um, our history, our past, that actually it can give life, it can, it can help us understand who we are and where we are today, but give life to the future generations and give hope, you know. Um, and I look at who's coming, so you've covered also the stories from, from our history. Um, well done, John. And then 
there's myself, but in, um, after me is Parihaka, and you've got Nairi coming to have a talk about history, and I think that's a beautiful topic because when we talk about, uh, or when we think about um, um, Martin Luther King and Gandhi, and the, their approach has been the approach that was founded and seeded here in Aotearoa, and so if, if any young Indian child knows the history about Gandhi, why would we not know about the treasures that lay within our own land and the way that um, it's been able to speak into other nations? Um, so I'm here not to talk about history. Um, my specific message today is about the heart um, because we have a phrase in Māoridom uh, when we're thinking about what we know, it's, um, it can be head knowledge. It, it sits in the space here where we reason, where we grapple, where we wonder, where we uh, wonder whether we're going to own it. Um, and so the phrase in, in that I learnt um, at Raukaua was um, that our, our, the things that we know and learn, they're the heki ho, heki ho, heki ho tangata whenua. So that they would move from a head knowledge to actually a transformation within our hearts. And then the transformation in our hearts brings new life to who we are. And in that new life, we give hope to a dying nation. We, we, we look at um, what the government offers and we look at legislation and that, while it may be good, um, doesn't speak to the heart. Do you know what I mean? And so it's the heart that, that is needed, a, um, a sincere um, awakening. And then as we are awakened to our perhaps our blind spots, our biases, or just a new way of, of looking at life and a new worldview, we offer hope to a dying generation. And um, that's uh, the angle that I'm coming from today. And so bear with me as I'm going to read uh, from Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel. So I'm just going to read out. You don't need to look it up. I might not, yeah, can I see that this morning? Sometimes I can't see as well without my glasses. So I'm going to put them on. Yeah, yeah that's far better. And in chapter 16, it says, Samuel anoints David. Um, so I'm just going to read this. It's a story, a story you well know. Um, this is nothing new. Nothing's changed in over 2,000 years. So um, let me just read it and, and give you a bit of context. So um, the Lord said to Samuel in chapter 16, verse 1, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and will kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice um, to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, Do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong, I hope it's 
in Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had um, Shema pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, rise up, anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. May the Lord bless his word. Father, um, as I uh, begin to share, just some, bring some thoughts out of uh, your word, which we are all familiar with. There's nothing new here that we're reading this morning. But looking at it with different eyes this morning, Father, I pray that you would help me to, to bring out some thoughts to this. Um, yeah, in your son's precious name. Amen. Um, I do have... Um, and um, John, if you saw that this morning, it, uh, I only have a bunch of pictures. And my hope was that you might, if we get tired of me, you might at least enjoy some pictures. So, um, so let me just, uh, and if you are a graphic designer or somewhere in, in art, can I encourage you to do some work on our Christian um, stories of the Bible, because when I looked up, these are the only things I could find, um, and they're fine, but um, just know that, that there's a space for you in that, if you're called to that, <laughs> to help people like me um, not appear, because these kind of, to me, they, they remind me of the um, flannel graphs that I kind of grew up with <laughs> as a Sunday school um, child, so anyway. Um, so here we have... Uh, we're talking about um, the David who is uh, out in, in, in the fields or in the paddocks, whatever you want to call that, out. He's the youngest. He's doing the least um, favourable job. It would be considered manual labour in, in today's terms. Um, the, the shepherd, you know, that's why the Lord came to the shepherd to announce um, uh, um, that about the Messiah because... He's, he just turns things up upside down and doesn't always go to the, to the prestigious places, but to the simple places. Anyway, um, here's David. Um, out in the fields, he's uh, got a close relationship with the Lord, loves the Lord, and also um, his, he worships the Lord. Um, may I just thank you, the worship team this morning. I came in early. You guys were worshipping... Um, just as beautifully before everyone arrived, as well as when people arrived. So it was really nice to come into the presence. But this is what David's been doing, just um, 
in the presence of the Lord. And God is a real um, God to him um, because, you know, when, when it came time to, when, when a lion struck or when, when a, a bear came, um, David never doubted that he could defeat those enemies or, or those um, risks, um, those threats to, to, to his sheep. He knows that God shows up. Um, and there's no doubt about that in his heart and mind. And look, he's out there in the fields shepherding. And Jesse, um, his dad, has not even thought to call him in to this uh, moment when Samuel's come to anoint. Um, and it says a lot about, as humans, who we think needs to be in the conversations or who we think is the right thing or the right one or the right way of being or the right um, appearance. Uh, so David's sounds like a handsome young man. He's only young. He's not a seasoned, experienced person. He's out. He's the youngest. In one of the versions of the Bible, he's considered the runt. Just minding his own business. So, sorry, these pictures are to prompt me more than anything. I don't have a script. So, so now Samuel's there. And he looks at the bigger, the older brothers. They must, might have more experience. They, they, they are in, in chapter 17. They're in the army. Uh, they're, they're with, with Saul's army fight, you know, fighting against Philistines. So it talks about the three older brothers. Uh, overlooked. And, and here's the beautiful thing. I think for me, for you... For, for a young, for an old, for whatever space or time that you're at that doesn't fit with what the world expects. And you don't look like what the world wants. But God's not interested in what the world looks at. So he's checking out the heart. And he knows that David is faithful. He calls upon the Lord. He fights on behalf of the Lord. He's He's brave and courageous, and he's young. It's, you know, he's the youngest of his brothers. So he's out minding his own business. Oops. <laughs> Jesse says, oh, hang on. Yeah, I do have that one other son. Um, he's doing a really important job. He's out with the sheep. Okay, I'll bring him in. And God sees and says to Samuel, this is him. And I just want to make you just for pause and just think about when sometimes that you are out in the back paddocks of life, whatever that might be, that I want you to know that God sees you. And, I mean, that's heartwarming for me because we're in a society where we're in our little people groups and we've got, I think, the most important people group that we've got is the age where they're um, earning an income and they have the right to determine the voting rights and so forth. But we've got children, we've got a, a, a youth, a young generation that are, are feeling disconnected and without purpose and, and without a sense of hope. 
And I'm pleased that God looks and sees David, who is a young, you know, in his youth, he's, he's a rangatahi. And God sees and loves him, and God shows up for him. So we're going to chapter 17 now, which I haven't read out, but you know the story. Again, with the, with the graphics, please help me here. Um, so now, uh, uh, further on, so that we read chapter 16, chapter 17. Now Jesse has said to David, David, take some, take some bread, take some cheese, take some wine. I need you to go and take these to your brothers, give the cheese, cheese to the commanding officer. I don't know what that's about, but... Um, Please do this. And so David steps out to take all this food to his brothers who are um, uh, near the front and in camp in, in the um, army, Saul's army. And he arrives there in camp. His older brothers are there and he can smell that sweet and he can smell lots of sweat from many days of being there. Apparently, um, Goliath has been coming out 40-odd days now to call out the Israelite army. And when you get a bunch of... I know this. My husband's in the army. He's a, a military man, and he said, yes, when you go out after they've been out on exercise, you can... They look very smart. They've got to shave. They've got to look clean, but they smell. <laughs> so... I'm imagining that there's a, there's a smell there, but what I wanted to draw your attention to was the fact that there was another smell, and that was the smell of fear, because Goliath has been calling out the army, and they haven't been brave enough to go out. So he does what he always does, Goliath comes out, calling out God's army, putting them down, embarrassing them, and saying, Come on, give me one of your best warriors and I'll fight them. And whoever wins, the others will depart. So here's David standing there, observing all of this, observing his brothers who are telling him, hey, what are you doing here? Leave this food and get back home. And he's observing these growing, battle, experienced soldiers and no one's willing to step forward. He can't make sense of it. He can't make sense of why this is so is a problem. Because he knows his God, and he's in deep relationship with God, and his God shows up. His, this is God's army. So he's like, he remembers how God showed up when he was up against what might have been... Um, an enemy that, that, that should have actually beaten him. And he has no fear. You know, and, and that gets back to, to Saul, actually, um, that this young David is inquiring um, what, what happens if who, to the person who will defeat Goliath. He's obviously thinking about his future. He's, he's not uh, anticipating that he would lose. Uh, and he's obviously contemplating being that person that would go out. And so uh, someone reports back to Saul, and Saul calls him into his presence. 
And this part is particularly interesting, and I'll again, I'll get you to think a little bit how that would apply to us today. But when Saul, when David comes into his presence, Saul's like, oh, you're only young. You're a kid. You can't do it. And he says, Master, it would give me great joy to go out there and fight this, what would he have called him? Anyway, yeah, this, this Philistine who dares to talk smack about our God. Now here's the interesting part, right? Because no one has, has um, actually asked um, or, or volunteered. Suddenly a young child does, a young teenager. And what is Saul's response to that? Saul's response to that, well, if you are going to go out, you're going to need some armour. And so it talks about in, in chapter 17 how he gives over his sword his armour, his shield to young David. It's, it's, it's Saul's armour and David's only a kid. So it kind of looks like that once he's put it all on. And in the Bible it says it, he could not move properly. It actually inhibited him from being able to go out and meet this enemy. That's an interesting picture to me, and I'll, I'll come back to that. Uh, but it strikes me that why would, uh, uh, why would Saul, why would that army think that they knew what to do at this point when they hadn't up until now? And why would they give them what they use to defeat their enemy when they wouldn't use it themselves and this young lad comes and they're like, well, we're obviously going to need armour. Uh, so it's a little bit about our thinking as, as to having human solutions to spiritual matters, and in this case, warfare. We know what happens, don't we? Uh, he can't move. It's all pretend he can't even lift it. So he takes it all off, goes out uses a simple sling and uh, a stone, flicks it off, pierces Goliath in the head, he drops. This is the bit that ne I never had when I was at Sunday school. I don't think they ever talked about actually chopping off <laughs> uh, Goliath's head, so they, must, yeah, they kind of made that all a little bit PC, didn't they? Um, so, well, my, my Sunday school teachers, do they call it Sunday school? Yeah, no, probably not. But anyway, um, he defeats Goliath. Actually, I've forgotten what's next. What is next? Um, so first and foremost, I think what I want to say is that God sees our heart. And in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environment, in a context where you might not be valued, where you might not be listened to, where no one bothers to ask what you think about things. Therefore, uh, you know, you feel um, insignificant, unimportant. Um, I want you to know that God sees you, that God sees you. He sees you in the quiet spaces where no one 
everyone's just left there to do your thing. That might be Sunday cleaning out a church here. That might be, you know, doing doing the mundane and the normal, and not the miraculous and the and the prestigious. But I want you to remember that God sees you, and He sees your heart. And I just want to say also to give opportunity. We're in a church, and I figure that if you're here today, that you already might know the gospel and you've already given your heart to the Lord. But if you haven't this morning, there's an opportunity today for you to give your heart, surrender your heart to the Lord. Please take that opportunity. In fact, come see me afterwards if you'd love to have a prayer and and some cordial around that, in particular John. But also for us here, and do you know what I mean? Like our hearts can, can fill up with other things, can't they? things that take our, our priority, our, our passion, our love. Uh, and so it's also an invitation to us that God sees our heart. Do you know what you can do with a David heart? Man, it's just, it's just a mind-boggling to imagine what God will call you to. If you set your heart on him, and if you trust in him, because he shows up. He shows up. So uh, please, if you're here today and you do not know the, know God and do not know Lord Jesus as your personal saviour, I invite you to take a moment to make the best decision of your life today. And also, if you have been caught up and there's stuff going on in your life and in your heart sits other things, things that compete, with God, things that are in, are in opposition to God, I invite you to surrender those things over. And I'll tell you why. Because we're living in a nation that is dying. And we need to offer hope. And I think David offers hope. He shows what hope looks like. He defeats you know, an, an enemy that seems to, you know, that, that all the rest of the army weren't... Um, willing to try and attempt to conquer. So David gives us hope and courage. And I want you to consider, as you return home today, after you've forgotten about me, think about David's heart and wonder what God has called you to and surrender to that calling. And I wouldn't like to determine what that is, but I know that God's not all about the mundane. He's miraculous. And we see a a young man turn around the fate of God's army because he didn't have any fear. He didn't have any disbelief. He knows that God shows up. And when you know, when you know, like, I don't know, if you're you're a kid who's, who's facing bullying, but you've got a big brother you know, with muscles, you, you know, there's a little bit of confidence that comes with that. I'm not going to be afraid because my brother's going to show up. This is the thing that David has. Here, here is the thing. As Christians, we need to take hold of the have a heart as David did and take hold of what God can do in one person's life. And you might think I'm insignificant. I'm the person out in the, out in the field. I just do this job. I, how can I? I want, to, I want you to really challenge your own understanding of who you are 
Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, you can't attempt anything. And I've got lies here because I think there's a lot of lies that we believe about ourselves. The lie that we can't do. You need to know what God's called you to because if God's called you to be a graphic designer to help me out, but you want to be you want to be a singer, but you can't sing. You know, make sure you're hearing what what God's telling you to do. Oh, because He might miraculously make you a singer, but you know what I mean. Like, really listen to what God has got you, and do not believe the lies, because that whole army did not believe that they could defeat Goliath. And so, a young a young a young person whose heart solely surrendered and loves his God, believes. And I think this is really important for us as Christians, that we remember who we are in Christ because the world around us, day in and day out, tells us, you're a kid, you're a, you're a youth, you, 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 know, you don't come into fullness of being until you become a, um, uh, an e- economic asset. You're working and, you, and you're paying your taxes. That's ridiculous. But that's, that's the world we sit in. Where, where, where those values are what we, we, we align ourselves up to. So here's, here's for our children who are not here in another space, here for our, our, our youth, our young adults. Please figure out what God's saying to you. And if you want to live a, a, a full life, once you know what it is that God's called you to do, don't doubt it. Don't ever doubt it. Press into God. We've been hearing um, worship saying, you know, wanting more. In, in, a, in a world, so in, in our world, we've got all these structures in place, all these people groups, who's important, who's not, who gets more say. Um, how, how different are we as a, as a community of faith? How different is our voice the voices that, if, that are outside, that are happening externally. How different are we? Do you feel valued as a, as a, um, a, a, a youth? Do you feel valued as a young adult? Do you feel valid as a retiree? Are we, are we, are we truly um, knowing that actually God loves you and you are his child? Because if we believe the voices outside of these walls... And if we allow them to pervade inside the walls, we, we actually get a very narrow view of who God has called. But he has, a, he has a calling on each and every one of your lives. It's whether you surrender that, surrender to and allow him to call you to be a, a, a voice that is countercultural to what the world is saying and the world is, is falling into a depth of disbelief and depression because there's no hope to be seen. And we have access to the same God as David. And if we allow that God of David's to be our God and determine what we do and allow him to anoint us for his tasks, 
we then become the, the, the different voice out there. Why am, I, why am I preaching a little bit about this when, you know, the whole, whole month has been about, uh, you know, your, your ever-growing journey uh, um, to understanding our history and to understanding the treaty and the missionary's role? Why am I suddenly here, Māori woman, talking about, you know, David? And I think I want to say that there is this mentality of... Um, we've got the, the bigger and the better seemingly in the world trying to determine, trying to place us in a space of, of belonging in this, in this box. That's not, that's, not, um, that's not biblical at all. And God always uses the, uh, those who, whose hearts are set on him, doesn't matter who you are. And we've got to give life to God so that people can see, actually, I feel like crap at home. Um, and I've been spending time with um, a lady named Daphne Marsden. I've been staying at her house, and she's written a book about the abuse within the home, abuse that starts with a <coughs> young woman, one in three, I believe, something like that. So we are in constant spaces where... We're in spaces of death and, and no hope. And God dwells within us. And we need to take hold of that, know who we are, surrender and show. Show the world something else. Show the world a God who loves them. Show a world that, a world that God created you, seemingly insignificant in the light of the people around you. But certainly not to God. Certainly not to God. In the perception of um, our bicultural journey, I do, I do want to say that there is a sense that we need to value one another. And for me, this, this is when it comes to a heart thing. The things that you are learning talk about the headspace, you reason with it, you wonder about it. But the heart space tells us also, as God values you, he values the person the people, actually, everyone around you. He values and loves them in the same way. So let's show something different. Let's take the scales of our eyes and let's look at people through the lens and through God's eyes and love them as much as he loves them. And then we start to talk business because... I was talking about my husband in the army. He <clears throat> quite often deals with a lot of um, soldiers. These guys are between 18 and 25. They, they've grown up in a culture that says, do whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can be with who you want, be with how many you want. You can do whatever makes you feel good. So they come into the army having done anything they wanted in the Stories are sorted and then just full of colour. And they come to the chaplain and they're saying, hang on, why, why then do I feel empty and broken? Because I've been doing anything I wanted. I've entered in this relationship, been in this relationship, and there's all this stuff going, I've been doing everything I wanted. Why am I feeling broken? 
So what, why would you give me a message that tells me that you can do whatever you want when it leads to ugliness and, and, and loss of hope and depression? I mean, there might be moments of enjoyment, but it, it ultimately leads to emptiness, doesn't it? And so these young soldiers are saying, actually, there's something wrong in that messaging. And that's a message that the world's taught them. You can be what you want. You can, you, you, you know, you're talking about the, you, you can be a female or you can be a male. Let's not call your son a son when he comes out. Anyway, those are a bit controversial <laughs> topics, but I'm just, you know what I mean? The world is saying whatever you determine to be good or right in your eyes, do it. And so we, um, well, in this case, they went to the chaplains to look for truth or something that gives them hope. And so when, they, when, they, when they're speaking to and hearing a different perspective about actually what gives life and that God gives life and that they, and God, God loves them, they're like, why, not, why, why, why didn't I hear that message? So there's people out there that are being messaged and taught to think a certain way and God's not going to send their angels to sort that, that out or speak into that. He's got you. You are it. You are his agents. And you don't have to go crazy and, and you know, stand on a corner unless you, uh, you know, God calls you to stand on a corner and preach. He really doesn't need you to do any more of anything else except love people unconditionally with the love that God has given you. And in that love, the barriers break down. And in that space, we value one another. And as I think about this bicultural journey, I think about the opportunity that we're invited into to be a countercultural voice. And we're, we're living in a society that, like, oh, don't force me. Please don't force me to speak the deal. Mike Hoskins, like, no, it's not going to work for you to, for us to speak Māori. Um, we, we, we mustn't get caught up in what the world is saying, but in our love for one another, in our valuing of one another, I think there's a space to engage in a journey of knowing our history and doing something in the church that has not been done successfully out in, in, in the world and in, you know, in, our, in our governments trying to legislate. But what we need is actually living communities of faith showing difference, showing that actually, no, you're not a better race than I, and I'm not a better race than you, but actually in each, in each nation and in each groupings of people, God's DNA is in there. And when we get more um, of the people worshipping together and people coming together, we see a bigger picture, the bigger picture of, of the DNA of God because we're seeing expressions um, John spoke recently, you know, just earlier about a Maori um, having expressions that line up. I would totally affirm that, a because I said that. No, <laughs> but I believe that there are there's so many good values that sit alongside each other and not a, they're not um, tugging against each other, but they align perfectly. And you know, just be just be open to ask the Lord to give you another lens to that conversation. And he will do that. He will do it in a far better way. I really appreciate, John, can I just say, I appreciate the conversations you've had because being a Māori and being a woman, of course, I always thought that, well, they're not going to come get me to come and begin to speak about the biocultural journey. You haven't even asked me to do that, actually. But you've gone on the journey because every 
context is different and the journey is either fast or slow, but it's your guy's journey, right? So when you don't need me to come in and try and, and then you're like, who is that? And hope the door doesn't hit her on the way out, do you know what I mean? So I love that there's a, a conversation and a journey going on despite whether I'm here or not. And it's your journey and it's going at your pace. And you're doing it in relationship with each other. And I love that because that's something we can't do. Visitors, you know, we're just in and out and we don't have that impact. The ill-fitting armour. This here, I just want to say that we... Expectations have been put on us to look a certain way, be a certain height, weight. I think I don't fit any of the, the prescribed <laughs> uh, favourite groups. Um, I'm happy with that. I'm, happy, I'm very pleased with who I am. I've got no sense of feeling like oh, I don't belong because I know I'm loved by God. And I know he's created me who I am. I'm very happy to be who I am. I have no regrets whatsoever. And this is something that happens to us. But can I just ask you to wonder, are you doing that to others? In, your, in, in what you think would be the normal expectations, are you expecting that from others too? Please don't wear the ill-fitting armour. It's not for you. God, God is the one that, that he'll give you the armour that fits. And don't wear other people's expectations. And also don't place armour on others. Because when we do that, when we give them expectations or when we tell them, well, you know, I'm going to hang up this group because, you know, they're the smart, trendy, oh, that trendy is not a very common used to be written now. So, you know, the, the people that really enjoy uh, mixing together and some of them are left out. Please don't do that. Please don't. If you do anything well, look to the person to your left, look to the person to your right, to the front, to the back and just see them through God's eyes. Because in this room, if you only ever do that, that's contagious, that's transformational, and that's what will draw people in. So you don't need to go be doing anything big and mighty in, in a new program, but if you, the, the, the transformation of your heart, I mean, collectively your hearts, makes us a whole better world. And people are hungry, People are like the, those, those, those soldiers are saying, you know, I'm doing whatever I want. I'm doing everything and everything you can possibly think of, I'm doing that and I'm empty. So we need to offer something else. Please don't fall into the, the ill-fitting armour. Um, I'm not talking about God's armour. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not, not saying don't put on God's armour. His armour fits. It fits perfectly. So this is not about God's armour. We know what they are, right? So I'm not talking about that. This is the, the armour of the human armour. So that stuff is really important. That's my final slide, so I must close now. <laughs> Just to say that I love the story of David. It gives me hope because I'm quite often out in the field. I'm a nobody. Right? You might be, I don't know. Maybe you're important. Maybe you are important, but you feel like you're out in the field. Whatever your scenario is, we have to know who we are in Christ to make a difference in this world. And when I think about this stuff, I need you guys to be a different voice to the 
to the culture that's out there. I need you to know your history because I need you to be a counter-cultural voice to the rhetoric that is out there. And what are we trying to do? Are we trying to advance one nation, a nationality over another? Gosh, I'm not. When, when it's not about that. It's actually been mana-enhancing of each person, each tribe, each nation. And to do that, you need a heart thing. Because if you're learning this stuff up here, I know a lot about you, but when I was learning, and when I learn, you know, unless it's got a, um, an emotional attachment to it, it just kind of sits here and it comes out if I need to bring it up in a conversation. But when it drops down, drops down, takes seed in your heart, changes and transforms your way of thinking, seeing, acting, and your believing, then you become a David. And you have a David's heart. And I want you to have a David's heart. And can you imagine a collective group that has a David heart? Whew, these chairs are going to be full. But even that, they'll come here to converse, to be together, but actually it'll be all happening out in the community because, you know, it happens, you know, seven days a week. We're just here to, to, to worship collectively, but the real work is out there. So I want you to remember who you are in Christ. Surrender to God. Please surrender to live a full life because this business of coming every Sunday doesn't change the world but this business of coming every Sunday surrender to God knowing who you are and loving others as you would love yourself that's transformational I'm done so um, thank you for your time <laughs> um, thank you for yeah, yeah. If you do want some prayer, please do come and see all the, the people that you know. <laughs>